So just how soon will Japan move from negative interest rates? Maybe sooner than we thought. We'll look at what Governor Oeda's weekend interview did to the bond markets yesterday and overnight. And the CNY lifted by the PBOC fix. That's all pushed the US dollar lower and the Aussie higher, whilst the Bank of England sounding a bit more hawkish, pushing UK yields higher. It's bonds driving the agenda today. Fortunately, we've got a bond expert to help talk us through it all. It's Tuesday, the 12th of September, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, for a change, a half percent fall in the US dollar on the DXY. That's held the Aussie up 0.8%, a 0.3% rise in sterling and the euro. Why? Well, a bit of movement will come from a 0.9% rise in the Japanese yen. The CNY is up three quarters of 1%, picking itself up from close to its lowest level in quite some time. It started the session at 7.33 CNY to the US dollar. The 12-month low is 7.35, and it managed to climb to 7.29. Uh, US stock doing okay. 1.2% up at close for the Nasdaq. Tesla is a chunk of that. That's up 10% after Morgan Stanley up their forecasts. Uh, 0.7% for the S&P 500 and a quarter percent for the Dow and 0.4% for the Euro stocks 50. Bond yields ever higher. Well, particularly in Japan. We'll come to why that is in a moment. But 10-year treasuries up two basis points to 4.28%, almost up to 4.31% mid-session. Uh, so that was less than six basis points away from its 52-week high. Yields rose five basis points in the UK for 10 years, up to 4.47%. It seems that they've settled around the uh, 4.5% mark lately, but maybe they'll push higher uh, with some more hawkish talk coming from the Bank of England. Aussie 10 years yesterday, up eight basis points to 4.18%, but losing six of those points on futures overnight. And only small moves in oil. So small, hardly worth bothering with. So we won't talk about that. Instead, let's talk bonds. Let's talk to Ken Compton at uh, NAB in Sydney. And let's start, well, let's start with the yen first. The US dollar down 0.9%. Uh, but the bigger move has been the lift in bond yields. In fact, I think now the highest they've been in Japan since 2014. And this is all in response to an interview that Governor Ueda gave over the weekend about lifting interest rates out of negative territory I mean, it could happen, perhaps even before the end of the year. Yeah, good morning, Phil. Um, that reports of that interview yesterday certainly changed a few different parts of the calculus for, um, you know, for the yen and for JGB yields. I think um, the main interesting there was basically the point that uh, Oweda said, once we're convinced Japan will see sustained rises in inflation and wage growth, there are various options they can take. So, And there was also a point in there that um, if the inflation target can be achieved at year end, then negative rates could end then as well. So given the, I think the broader expectation had been that the board would continue to, you know, to sort of offer a fairly lacklustre looking set of forecasts and probably maybe look to tweak yield curve control again before making any moves on policy, um, the potential for them to turn around and maybe even exit negative yields while they still have YCC in place, or at least on the books in some form, certainly changes changes things around a bit. Right. But I mean, the idea of lifting interest rates while you're still buying bond yields because you're trying to control the yield curve. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Look, it, on the surface it does, but I think in the broader context of the changes that were made to YCC at the end of July, where the upper limit was lifted to one, then if that 1% limit is not binding and they're not having to do too much purchasing to actually control yields at the moment and they're not sort of certainly pushing back against yesterday's move up to 0.7, then if you're not having to actively defend YCC, then maybe they're feeling that um, you could sort of make a relatively smooth exit 
uh, from that by beginning to tweak monetary policy at one end, whilst YCC is not if, if YCC is not being actively actively pursued, you can maybe um, just sort of let that fade off the books quietly and, and focus on the main game, which is um, you know, get, getting out of um, getting out of negative rates. So it, it, I'd say that that could be the the, the transition. Maybe that that's that's the step. Right, up. and if there's more of that sort of talk, if we hear more of that over the next week or so, then presumably that could just add to uh, to, to that lift in yields. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, there's been a lot of estimates around as to where uh, a free market sort of float of the JGB will sit. Um, certainly most of them I'm still seeing are sort of between 0.7, 0.8. You know, we're within that band now. Um, you know, and the, bo- mm, the, already. the, the BAG yeah. yesterday yeah. announced what they what they talk about is these uh, yeah, fun, funding for these funding provision operations they've been doing since the beginning of the year where they offer very um, low-cost funding to banks with the intention that they'll turn around and buy buy JGBs. Um, yes, there was another one of those operations announced yesterday. That'll happen uh, later this week. Um, interestingly, when they've been announced over the past couple of months, they've often had a little bit of an impact on yield. Yesterday, they had none. So, um, yeah, so the that sort of that element of, uh, of support seems to be seems to be fading in its strength as well. And the CNY pulled from well close to a sixteen year low. I don't know if it quite hit it, but it got close to it. We had another strong fix on the uh, the exchange rate. In, in fact, quite a marked difference from expectations. I mean, how long can they keep on doing this for? Well, yeah, they set another record with the spread between the, the consensus and the fix, I think, um, around, around um, 1,200 pips or, or something like that. So certainly continuing to step up the yeah, the, the signalling there and also even some comments sort of more directly from the PBOC um, yeah, about their resolute stance against speculation and a few other comments like that. I think coming alongside the the JPY developments, that probably helped, probably helped both of those... Um, both of those moves gained a bit of credibility and helped strengthen both those currencies. Um, I mean, look, there was also the new one loans data as well. Maybe that was a bit of a bit of a strength at the margin. Yeah, yeah, three hundred and forty-five billion in July to almost one point four trillion. Uh, the the figure for for August, so quite, which sounds a lot till you realise it is actually three point one trillion in June. In fact, you say anything in one, it sounds a lot, doesn't it? Five trillion back in January. So even though it's a big number, it has been a lot higher. It's interesting the money supply. Yeah. So you've got an increase in loans, but the money supply has slowed. I'm not quite sure how that how that works unless the government is spending less money. I thought more 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 bank loans would mean more more money supply, and that's the key thing, isn't it? If you want to see growth, you want to see more money flowing around the economy. Well, yeah, I can't quite exactly square that circle for you, but certainly within the detail of the breakdown of the new loans, there was a significant increase in very short-term corporate loans. Was it was a big chunk of it? Whereas um, more mm. so long, longer-term loans, both the households in, in the form of mortgages, and also longer-term corporate loans, which you might read as being a, a, a bit more of a confidence indicator for businesses in the longer-run prospects. Those were lower as well. So. Um, so maybe that sort of takes a bit of a, maybe that tempers the strong headline loan growth a little bit. That a lot of it was sort of short short term loans, maybe as a result of sort of some of the stimulus measures, as opposed to longer run confidence in the economy. Right, U.S. consumer inflation expectations a little higher in August, uh, breaking four months in a row of uh, falling expectations. Only a, a small move up though. This is the New York Fed survey, of course, uh, but that same survey did show households are a little op- uh, less optimistic about their own financial situations. Wonder why that would be? Maybe because the interest rate's been going up. Do you think that might be something? To 
to do with that. Oh, I think that's probably a, a reasonable chunk of it. I, I, I think I think we can say that's a fairly settled science. So, I mean, the inflation expectations, um, I mean, still they're not um, 3.6%. So they're probably still numbers the Fed's comfortable with overall. I mean, there's also mm. been a lot of headlines on, on inflation expectations coming out of the coming out of the UK as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, def- I mean, de- they are definitely sounding more hawkish, aren't they? So Hugh Pill, their chief economist, was talking to the Canadian Association for Business Economics. The risk of tightening too little is more salient than tightening too much. That sounds a little bit hawkish, doesn't it? And then Kathleen Mann also sounding as though, you know, that, well, I mean, she was talking about uh, further inflation persistence. I don't think they could have been more clearer, could they? I mean, it seems like there's been an, uh, sort of a weakening of expectation for the Bank of England, as though, you know, perhaps they've gone far enough. And we've been talking about that on the podcast. Here's two of them trying to send the uh, the opposite signal by the sounds of it. Yeah, reading through Catherine's man, Catherine Mann's speech, or at least re- reading parts of it, quite a technical speech on inflation modelling dynamics. But I think the two things there the market has latched on as you've said you know she talked about um the measures there the concerning measures they're seeing in terms of a higher level of persistent inflation so getting get, you know getting above two percent and also i think the other thing too was that there were expectations that there was possibly a high neutral rate in play post uh, post covid and that's been uh, i think the markets have been quite happy to price significant rate cuts for nearly every market except Australia beyond the middle of next year. But the, the question then has been, like, well, where is internal? Oh, sorry, where is neutral? Um, and, and there's been mm. a few few official speakers out there lately saying it could, could be high. And certainly, you know, Catherine Mann has, has added to the added to the chorus on that one in, in parts of this speech. So I think, um, and that mm. has sort of contributed to guilt's being the global you know, underperformer in terms of rates over the course of the night. I think, um, yeah, we talked about two-year, two-year, Yields in the US being up only a point or two. Um, gilts are up about five basis points. Yeah. So yeah. that's been, been the contributor. There. Right. And uh, the European Commission has revised its growth forecast for the uh, for the EU economy downward, not surprisingly. So the summer forecast, they're calling it, they're expecting 0.8% growth this year, down from 1% in their spring forecast. Next year has been revised from 1.7% down to 1.4%. So uh, they are putting the blame on declining uh, consumption. No surprise there. Germany, though, is forecast to see negative growth in this forecast, minus 0.4% this year, downgrade to the spring forecast of 0.2%. And inflation, only minor changes, but they are saying 6.5% this year for the European Union, still quite high, down from 6.7% and 3.2% next year, up from 3.1%. So staying fairly high for, for a while as well. So, you know, weakness in Europe, calciparise. Yeah, certainly Europe is the, the economy that's probably running you know, closest to the to the classic stagflation scenario. And if we come into, mm. you know, if, if we come into a winter period where we don't get that Goldilocks scenario of soft energy demand that we saw over the course of a warm winter last year, then presumably that's only going to sort of add to the pressures there. Now, there would have been some element of that included in the in, in the forecast there by the European Commission, I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, just as we were talking about the the possibility of an energy crunch um, last year, where we'll be starting to see that starting to see that risk you know, rising again. Obviously, we've had a, a good run of being able to to refill um, 
refill storages, all that sort of stuff. But I think that that that's still sort of looms as one of the bigger factors, and obviously with the the German uh, manufacturing base, that's a key part of the concern there as well. We'll get the Zoo Economic Sentiment Survey for Germany today, and the uh, and for the Euro area as well. Both are expected to slide further into negative territory. Actually, we were mentioning the UK. We get their jobs and earnings data this afternoon. Their average earnings uh, are going to be a concern, aren't they? So they were growing eight point two percent annually in the uh, the last three month average. That's still pretty high, isn't it? And I think it's not expected that they're going to come down too much either. So that'll add to that hawkishness from the Bank of England. Today, uh, well, obviously, the NAB Business Survey and the Westpac Consumer Confidence Numbers. July, we saw a spike in costs in that NAB Business Survey, didn't we? Purchase costs and labour costs. So a repeat of that certainly isn't going to be welcomed by the RBA. Yeah, I mean, we've got no no, no comment on, on what today's forecast, oh, sorry, on what today's survey might tell us, but uh, but that'll be the, the key things we'll be looking at. I mean, the labour cost increases obviously reflect the award and minimum wage increases that started yeah. coming through beginning of the year. So that's going to be the, the key thing to look for there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, New Zealand has its electronic retail card spending uh, this morning for August. Uh, it was flat last month, of course. More importantly, their pre-election economic and fiscal update. Uh, so how much has the government been spending? What's their budget position? Uh, it's expected to be much worse than it was in the May budget. Uh, and so, you know, they could be in a position where they're trying to get back into surplus, so they're spending less. Uh, while the private sector is spending less as well. So that's uh, that's not a healthy situation for the New Zealand economy, if that's how it comes about, is it? Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting prefu to, to read through. Um, you know, we're sort of certainly seeing government revenue at opposite ends of the scale in New Zealand compared to Australia, particularly in terms of company tax take. That's where probably the biggest um, variations have come through relative to, relative to budget. Um, so the... Corporate tax take down, and obviously the broader economic outlook over there with the RBA, RBNZ having gone so much um, harder and, and faster. New Zealand being a bit later in the cycle is obviously overall weaker. I mean, um, whether there's going to be big cuts to um, big cuts to spending in there, I guess that's sort of ultimately a political discussion. But certainly, the, the odds of it outpacing the revenue revenue declines are, are incredibly low. So we've already seen the the government bond market in New Zealand has start, has moved to anticipate a very significant increase in in government borrowing. So that's sort of lifting their government bond interest rates relative to some other rate measures. Which um, case, case of seeing today, you know, what the you know, what the detail says, I suppose. I mean, certainly looking at what our colleagues over at the Bank of New Zealand are saying. What they're expecting to see is you know, probably a couple of scenarios outlined in there um, where the central scenario is probably going to be, you know, certainly towards the optimistic side. Um, when they did the budget, they were forecasting, I believe, uh, just sort of a, a bit of a slowdown in growth during um, during 2024, not not an outright recession, which sort of seems to be more more in line with expectations this time. It's interesting to see what they what they predict, but it, on the on the borrowing side, which obviously in bond strategy I'm most interested in, it's going to um, there's probably going to be a lot of extra borrowing to be done by the New Zealand government. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, busy day tomorrow, of course, because we get the US CPI late in the day, but we'll talk about that with Ray in the morning. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks, Ken. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's how things are this Tuesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for listening in today. I'll catch you tomorrow morning.